0: The plans for the high-speed two-rail infrastructure have been called into question by many and for many reasons. In this episode, I hope to present some facts and figures that answer some of those questions. Today, we'll look at the financial costs, about what we'll be getting for our money, and about why we need it in the first place. I hope we'll be able to look at the environmental impacts and benefits in a later episode. So today, I'm pleased to be joined by Ben Rule, Infrastructure Management Director at HS2. Ben, welcome to the RSSB Podcasts. Could I ask you to tell our listeners about how you came to your current role with the railway?
1: Yes, thank you, And I've spent my career running parts of the existing railway network. Um, I worked in RailTrack, I worked in Network Rail, and I've worked in train operators. And I think it's easy to look at HS2 as a huge construction program. But what we're building is, is actually an operational railway. And the leadership team in HS2 took a very wise decision to bring in operating and maintenance expertise early in the program. And I was recruited to lead the team in HS2 that has that operations and maintenance experience. Once the railways built, it will be my team that will control the railway and maintain the infrastructure, and it's a hugely exciting opportunity and a really exciting challenge. Thank you
0: very much, Ben. Let's jump straight in. I'll pose one of the first arguments that came up against the high-speed rail link. It's far too much, indeed, a total waste of money just to cut 29 minutes off the journey time from London to Birmingham, and later on deliver shorter journeys to Manchester or Leeds.
1: Well, HS2 is a high-speed railway, so of course it will cut journey times. So, for example, London to Birmingham journeys will be 45 minutes from the open, which almost halves the current journey time. But HS2 is not just about journey times. HS2 is being built to solve three key problems facing the country today, the three Cs. If you will, there's connectivity by bringing Britain closer together. We can drive investments in the Midlands and the North and and open up opportunities for people. There's carbon because HS2 will be a low carbon alternative for long distance journeys. And there's capacity because our current network needs more space to run more services. So if you look at the three C's, if you take connectivity, When it's completed, our high-speed track will run between Birmingham, Manchester, the East Midlands, and London. And we're going to connect the country's biggest cities and a really large proportion of the population. And by making it easier for people to move between the North and the Midlands and the South, by cutting many journeys in half in terms of journey time, HS2 is going to make it easier for people to live and to work where they want. It will also drive growth by bringing our regional powerhouses, our regional cities, closer together so that they can trade more intensively and so that they can thrive. This is what railways have always done since they were invented by the Victorians. HS2 is going to continue that process. We'll run trains not only on our own infrastructure, but also on the existing network, serving towns in places in the northwest, the northeast of England, and in Scotland too, meaning that journeys from London to Glasgow, for example, get reduced to three hours and 40 minutes by rail. The second of the the three C's is carbon. So by reducing those journey times to places like Scotland, We will help to reduce the demand for internal flights. So we've seen this already. You know, the London to Paris corridor with Eurostar now is quite dominated by rail travel. And in places like Japan, they've almost wiped out the internal air market between key cities like Tokyo and Osaka. If we can make our journeys faster, frequent and more reliable, we will encourage people to move away from air travel and onto railways. Of course, with carbon, it's not only that journeys on HS2 will be low carbon, we're also committed to reducing our carbon emissions during construction by at least 50%. And even so, we're we're often criticised for the amount of carbon emissions during our construction. But it's important to understand the scale of the issue here. During construction and operation, phase one of HS2, the the London to Birmingham stretch our network, will produce less carbon than just one month's road transport emissions. So the numbers are quite small. The third of the C's is about capacity. So we want to encourage people to use their cars less. And in 2017, road traffic was 91% of transport carbon emissions. By providing more space on the rail network, we'll be able to provide opportunities for more local and regional trains. And with more reliable local services available, we can encourage people to leave their cars and travel on public transport. It's also true with freight, of course by providing additional capacity on the railways, we can encourage more freight to uh, travel on the rail network, reducing congestion on the road network and reducing emissions from freight transport.
0: Thank you very much, Ben. you touched on the, the freight traffic and the fact that we'll be able to run more freight. Now, not all of our listeners will be aware of the restrictions that running freight and passenger services on the same line impose at the moment. Could you give us some examples of why we're going to be able to have more freight capacity?
1: So, the West Coast Main Line is the most important strategic route on the UK rail network for freight. And HS2 will act as a 190-mile bypass... Of this busy route. And by releasing capacity on that route will provide space for more freight trains to use the existing railway to get goods off the roads and onto the railway. In the full business case that was done for HS2, the Department for Transport said that Phase 1 of HS2 could generate up to 20 new freight paths on the West Coast Main Line every day. And you think about that, that can remove thousands of lorries off the road every year, reducing carbon emissions, improving air quality and making our motorways safer. There's choices to be made here, of course, because we release capacity on the West Coast Main Line and I've talked about passenger services wanting to use that capacity and freight wanting to use that capacity. And there are choices to be made, but the construction of HS2 provides us with options that simply wouldn't be possible otherwise.
0: Thank you very much, Ben. As the body that's leading the rail industry's work on realising sustainable rail, RSSB works across a broad range of topics. Reducing the carbon footprint for transport isn't the only aspect of sustainability that HS2 impacts. Could you give us some idea of the social implications and impacts that the HS2 project and its infrastructure will bring to the country?
1: Yes. So in the immediate future, HS2 is at the heart of our government's plans to build back better. Um, It's been just over a year since the Prime Minister announced the start of construction on HS2. But already we are supporting 20,000 jobs across the country. And by the time we're working on the full route, we expect that to be more like 34,000 jobs, as well as about 400,000 contract opportunities for businesses of all sorts of kinds on the phase one route alone. This isn't just about track and trains. HS2 is going to be looking for all sorts of things from engineering solutions to catering services, designers, ecologists, experts in logistics and electronic components. Oh, well over 2000 businesses have already delivered work on this project. 70% of those are small and medium sized enterprises and 97% of those businesses are based in the UK. Over the next few years, that's just going to grow and we're expecting that there are £25 billion worth of opportunities that we're going to allow to flow out into the wider supply chain over the next few years.
0: Ben, thank you very much for that. Let me take you back to another aspect of my very first question. Wouldn't it have been just as good to upgrade the existing network rather than having to build a whole new infrastructure?
1: So Network Rail spends more than 130 million pounds in improving the railway for passengers each week. That's 22% of the UK's entire infrastructure spend over te- the last 10 years. That in infrastructure investments amounted to more than 74 billion pounds worth of investment. With Capacity increased in places that has allowed service frequency to, to improve more, more seats on, on new trains and so on. However, despite the scale of that investment, many of the really busy parts of our network remain very close to the limits of their capacity. And despite what's happened with COVID over the last two years and the effect that that's have, has had on demand, We expect the demand for rail to keep growing in the future, whether that's the demand for putting freight or or more on the railways or growth in, in passenger demand. So there's still going to be constraints on the network. HS2 is a way of releasing a very large amount of capacity from the network that we already have. And it's by taking away the the highest speed services from West Coast Mainline that we're able to release so much capacity on that railway. What happens is that if you're mixing trains on a, on a railway like the West Coast, you're mixing fast intercity services, regional services that make occasional stops and commuter services that are making frequent stops and you add freight traffic into that mix as well it makes the timetable quite inefficient because fast trains and slower stopping trains really don't interact very efficiently. The West Coast Main Line's a four-track railway in places it's a six-track railway, but with the demands we place on it, it's very difficult to get a a super-efficient timetable out of it. What we're going to do is take the fastest of those trains off, put them on a dedicated line, which makes the challenge of timetabling the West Coast mainline a little bit easier and, and and creates more opportunities. So this is this is something that's happened internationally for many years. The French have done this successfully with their TGV network, they built a new network and released a lot of capacity on the older network. And the Japanese famously have done it as well with the Shinkansen line taking the fastest trains off and, and creating capacity on their conventional. To take some examples, you take somewhere like Milton Keynes. Under normal conditions, it's very difficult to create sort of really fast services for Milton Keynes because a lot of the intercity services run straight through Milton Keynes. And by taking those trains off, there's an opportunity for somewhere like Milton Keynes to get additional services that are sort of a faster and, and semi-fast services to to London and, and to Birmingham and, and the like. In Manchester, by releasing capacity on the sort of approaches to Manchester Piccadilly, there would be an opportunity to provide more commuter services to get people in and out of Manchester in the morning and in the evening. And similar proposals in the West Midlands, the Midlands engine rail proposal for using the released capacity that's generated by HS2 to significantly increase the number of services running in the middle 700 additional passenger trains might be made possible by using the capacity used by HS2.
0: Thank you for that, Ben. Let's go back for a moment to the freight question. You've mentioned that There's the potential to put far more freight on rail than on roads. Are there any examples you can give us of where that's actually been put into practice for the construction project?
1: Yes. So we are trying to use rail transport to deliver materials to our construction sites wherever that's possible. That's really important because we can remove construction traffic from the local roads and it can help us to minimize the carbon footprint of our construction. So each freight train that we can remove from the roads during construction removes up to 76 lorry journeys. And it can also reduce carbon emissions by 76% compared to an equivalent series of journeys by road. Another statistic. A gallon of diesel will carry a ton of freight 246 miles as opposed to 88 miles if that freight was transported by road. So you can see the statistics here are really quite quite significant. The upshot of that is for HS2, over the next decade, we expect 15,000 freight trains will haul 10 million tons of aggregate to our construction sites. At the peak, that'll be about 17 trains a day serving our construction program. And that's going to remove about one and a half million lorries from the country's road network. So it's a really significant, a significant contribution to carbon emissions and congestion reduction on the network.
0: Thank you very much, Ben. That's some very impressive statistics and some great potential social impacts across the whole of the UK. I'd like to thank you for your time today and say to our listeners that I hope that this has busted some of the myths that you may have heard about HS2 and that when you're talking to the public and to friends, you may well be able to set them straight. If you have any questions about this or any other episodes of our podcast, please do contact me at podcasts at rssb.co.uk. Thank you for listening, and in meantime, stay safe.